You're listening to a podcast of The River in Durant, Oklahoma. Join us Sundays at 10 a.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Or learn more about us online at theriverdurant.com. As you may remember, last week we started a a message that I didn't know was going to turn out to be a series, a kind of series, but, but it's going to be at least these two messages and maybe more as we are discussing our need for authority in our lives. We are in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, and last week we said that based on what we had read from 1 Corinthians 4, 14, I write not these things to shame you, but as my beloved sons I warn you. 1 Corinthians 4.14. 1 Corinthians 4.14. I write not these things to shame you, but as my beloved sons, I warn you. Real fathers, real fathers don't need to be shaming their kids. I don't stand, that's why I don't talk, stand up here and talk about all you've done wrong all the time. And hear that somebody's doing something sinful and then form a sermon around it and preach it at the whole crowd as though you're all guilty. That kind of thing goes on in churches all over America and all over the world. And, and it's not the role of a father in faith to shame you, but to warn you. For, for though ye have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet have you not many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. So no one is exempt from the need of a father. A father in the Lord. And I told you about my story about how I met Jim Hester and how he became my, my overseer. And everyone needs some kind of oversight. That's why you're all here in church. That's why you didn't just stay home today and say, well, we'll just watch, you know, Kenneth Copeland on, on TV and be happy. No, you need, you need to be where you have relationships. And that's, that's what the church is all about. Amen. And then uh, we read on down in verse 16, Wherefore I beseech you, be ye followers of me. So the second thing we need to understand, according to this passage of Scripture, is that Paul's gospel is essential in following Christ. I, I was raised by people who often taught me, now not, not my mom and dad, but Raised up in the Lord. People are always teaching me, read the Gospels, read the red. If you want to know, if you know how to live for God, read the red, read the Gospels. And I said, pardon me, that's just not true. I, I, I didn't find it out to, for 20 years that it just wasn't right. Yeah. None of the people Paul preached to in the first century that turned the world upside down, that church that exploded all over the world and turned the world upside down, most of them had never read one of the Gospels. Right. They had read Paul's letters. They had read Paul's letters. I wonder what, would, what, what the church of Jesus Christ today would be like if we followed Paul to follow Christ. Yes. He said, be followers of me, he said. Paul said this four times. Talked about following him, people who followed him and should follow him. He said it four times. And what he's, what he's saying is, he's not saying follow me around the countryside. Follow what I teach you. Follow the message I, I bring you. Follow the gospel. And if you follow the gospel, listen to me, if you follow the gospel of, of, of the grace of God, you will not get into bondage. Amen. Remember, when Jesus preached, he preached the gospel of the kingdom. You can read it all through the gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus preached the gospel of the kingdom. The gospel of the kingdom. The gospel of the kingdom. He talked about this in, incessantly. But you never find that phrase even one time, not even one time, gospel of the kingdom. You never find that even one time in the book of Acts. You never find it one time in any of Paul's writings. You never find the gospel of the kingdom ever referred to in any place other than read. Which means that the apostles did not translate Jesus' gospel of the kingdom message into the message that they were supposed to preach. 
I wonder why so much of that is talked about now in the body of Christ that they the preachers on. I've seen them on television saying that they're preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Have you lost your mind? How'd you get on TV, idiot? I just put anybody on television, apparently. Paul never preached the gospel, the gospel of the kingdom. Peter never preached the gospel of the kingdom. John never preached the gospel of the kingdom. James never preached the gospel of the kingdom. Jude never preached the gospel of the kingdom. Who do you think you are, you pagan Gentile preacher? Who do you think you are? You think you know more than these guys? That was a message specifically designed by Jesus for the Jews. A message specifically de designed by Jesus for the Jews. Everybody get this. You have to understand this. You just have to understand this. It's ignorance. And, and, and that's why the body of Christ doesn't follow Jesus anymore. Because we refuse to follow Paul. Thank you for your enthusiasm. I said the reason the body of Christ doesn't follow Jesus anymore is because we refuse to follow Paul. You don't know how to, you know, amen, praise God. You don't, you, you don't know how to follow Jesus without following Paul. As, as, as your leader, it's important for me to know that everybody that hears me speak knows that they must get lost in the letters of the Apostle Paul. This is the revelation that Jesus gave him for us. Remember, we tend, to read the book, we tend to read the Old Testament and think, oh, look, look at that. We're going to go triumph over our enemies. We're going up into Canaan's land. We, I'm on my way to Canaan's land where the soul never dies. Pardon me. Heaven is not Canaan's land. There are no giants there. There are no walled cities there. Heaven is not Canaan's land. Heaven is where you live now. That's right. And it's not the kingdom. It's the promised land. You're living in the promised land right now. You're not necessarily living in the kingdom now. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. You have the kingdom in your hearts, but you're not in the kingdom yet. The kingdom is in you, but you're not in the kingdom yet. That's yet to come. Glory be to God. Where you do live today is in the promised land. Amen. Jesus nailed every curse. Dylan said it. The blessings are all ours. Everything that God ever promised anybody is ours. Glory be to God. Because the curse was nailed to a tree 2,000 years ago. Get over the curse. God got over it. Hallelujah. You have the blessings of righteousness on you, praise God. There are conditions to be met, though. Like, he's going to demand that you believe it. He's just going to demand you believe. If you won't believe it, he's going go on your own way. God does not deal with unbelief. He deals in faith. He just deals in faith. Hallelujah. So that all the promises of God are in Christ Jesus are yes and amen. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 20. Every promise God ever made is yours. Hallelujah. That means, that's why we say you live in the promised land. Now, let me warn you, there are giants in the promised land. But I don't want you focusing on giants because you won't get your promises. Focus on what's good there. Focus on the promises. Amen. Focus on all the good things. Remember, I'm going to tell you the story one more time. You have to remember there were 12 spies in Numbers chapter 13. They sent 12 spies up into the promised land. They were still south. They had come out of Egypt, right? They'd gotten their law, and they were headed up into the promised land. Amen. This family had, had become a nation. They got, they, got a, they got a set of laws, made them a nation. And they were headed up into the promised land, and, and Moses said, God said to Moses, send 12 spies. And he sends 12 spies up. Ten of them came back with an evil report. Two of them came back with a good report. That is, ten of them came back saying the wrong thing. Two of them came back saying the right thing. 
Ten said the right thing. Two said the wrong thing. We have to remember they had all seen the same thing which means that their report was not really based on what they had seen, but what they believed about what they had seen. Huh? I said the opposite. Ten said the wrong thing, I'm sorry. Two said the right thing. I got it, I got it. I got my tongue tangled. Ten, ten said the wrong thing, two said the right thing. They'd all seen the same thing, so the report was based on what they believed, not what they'd seen. And that's your life, because your life will go in the direction of that which you truly believe. If you believe you're a loser, hello, get ready. Get ready, last place is yours, you've reserved it. Yeah, if you believe you're a winner, glory be to God, you can't be beaten. Mm-hmm. Amen. America used to win wars because we thought we were winners. Now we give up halfway through them because we want to give everybody a trophy. We'll call it a tie. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The truth is, I like the way Patton said it because someone told him, he said, it's hard to beat an enemy that's willing to die. He said, hmm, lot you know, winning wars isn't about being willing to die for your cause. Winning wars is about being willing to make the other dumb SOB die for his cause. <laughs> I don't know what SOB stands for, but y'all figure it out. You've probably never heard a preacher do that, have you? That's because I ain't religious. Amen. If you think of yourself as a loser, then you're willing to die for your cause. If you think of yourself as a winner, you're willing to kill for your cause. Yeah. Mm. I'm not talking about killing people here. Men are not your enemy. Yes. That's right. Demonic forces are your enemy. Yes. Men, women, boys, girls, every race, creed, and color, these people are not your enemy. I don't care how they may have misused you and abused you. Islam is an enemy because it's run by, run by de demons. But yeah. Arabs are not your enemy. We've got to get this straight. Yeah. Arabs, Persians, Iranians, Iraq Iraqians, all these folks, they are not your enemy. In fact, these are sons of Abraham. Islam is the power that is, that is evil. Yes. Everything that denies Christ. But listen, that's not the only evil there is in the world. Yeah. And by the way, people are not monsters. Oh, oh, I can't believe these monsters are doing this. No, 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 no. People are not monsters. People are just people. Hitler, Hitler was not a monster. He was just a guy that went wrong. He was somebody's baby boy at one time. Somebody oohed and awed over him. Somebody cuddled and kissed him. Somebody held him to their breast. He was the most precious thing ever. There was a time where he was something sweet, something kind, something Hitler. We think of him as a monster. No, he was just a man. You need to understand 
that if you let your thoughts go the wrong way, you can do anything. You can do anything. I heard a great old preacher that I, that I admire so much, he's, in, he's gone to heaven. Kenneth E. Hagin said one time, I could just twist off and go to having a cussing fit right now. <laughs> I could. I could just go, I could just start having, and, and I could. I could, holler could. I come from redneck stock. I know how to cuss. <laughs> it's been a while. I mean, it's been a long time since I've done it. I'm not even sure what SOB stands for anymore, but uh, I'm sort of like that, that guy that, that pastor that was riding a bicycle along, he saw this kid over there pulling a string on a, mo- on a, a lawnmower trying to get it started. He was pulling that string, pulling that string, and the kid's just cussing up a storm, just pulling a string and cussing up a storm. P- pastor stops and says, hey, boy, boy, hey, you don't need to be doing all that cussing. He said, I've got to get this mower started. I'm trying to raise some money to buy a bicycle. And the pastor said, I'll tell you what, I'll, I need a lawnmower. I'll just trade you my bicycle for your mower. Wow. He said, okay, you got a deal. He jumps on the bicycle and starts to take off, and the pastor starts pulling on that string. Can't get the thing started. He said, wait a minute, boy, this mower won't start. He said, you got to cuss at it. <laughs> he said, well, I don't cuss. I'm a pastor. I mean, it's been so long since I've cussed. I, I probably even forgot how. He said, you just keep pulling on that string. It'll come back to you. LAUGHTER <laughs> Amen. We have uh, before us a great opportunity, though, not for death, but for life. And that's why Paul talks not about us, our servanthood here, but about our sonship. Not about our workforce but about our family. Being a part of the body of Christ is not about working for God. It's about living as though you represent your Father in the earth. Verse 17, For this cause have I sent unto you Timotheus, Timothy, who is my beloved son, and faithful in the Lord, who shall bring you in. See, he, he didn't send a servant to talk to them to represent the Father to them. The Father. He said, you've had many, many, many teachers, but I'm a father to you. You only have one father. That's why I sent you my son. I want to keep this in the family. It's what makes your life worth living is, is family. Now, you may be single here today and not really have any family. Well, welcome to a family. Welcome to a new family. Any single people in the building? Let me see how many single people in the building. Come on, come on. Uh, 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 all right. I, I, I want you, I want you uh, some of you who have family, go to these single people and say, welcome to the family. Come on. Come on. Let's say it together. Come on. Come on. Go to, <laughs> welcome to the family. This is a family, of a, this is an adoptive family. God's always been about adoption. We all get adopted, Amen. praise God, because because there's a God who loves family. He won't have anybody work for him that's not part of his family. He's the ultimate nepotist. He won't have anybody work for him that's not part of his family. He, you, you can't hire out in this company and get along very well unless you're related to the boss. Amen. Praise God. You, you go, even if you wind up in the courtroom of glory, the, 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 the thing is rigged. The judge is your dad and the prosecuting attorney is your elder brother. I've got it made. It's rigged. 
It's, it's rigged in my favor. I win. I don't have to, even, I don't have to go there and say, uh, uh, I plead innocent. Uh, I don't even have to say that. I, I, or I plead guilty. No, 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 no. And you get, you get it both ways in religion. They would say, I didn't do anything wrong. I'm, I'm perfectly right in God's eyes. You know, all the other guys, oh, God, forgive me. I'm so wretched. You, know, you, get, you get both extremes in religion. I don't do any of that. They say, how do you plead, holler? I plead the blood. <laughs> Guilt and innocence isn't, isn't my deal to, do with, to, do, to deal with. I don't, have to, I don't have to worry with that. That's already been settled. I'm innocent because he's innocent. Amen. Amen. Just put my faith in him. Glory to God. This cause have I sent unto you, Timotheus, who is my beloved son and faithful in the Lord, who shall bring you into remembrance of my ways, which be in Christ, as I teach everywhere in every church. So what we need to be reminded of is how Paul lived his life. The greatest Christian that ever lived. You may have a favorite besides Paul, but you're wrong. I know everybody, oh, I like Peter. I'm so much like Peter. Yeah, we like Peter. We identify with Peter because he's, he is not perfection. He's not perfection. You never know when he's going to lose his temper and cut somebody's ear off. I mean, you just never know. Talk about willing to kill for a cause. He, he was. By the way, for those of you from the city, let me remind you of something. Out here in the country, like here in this rural area of Oklahoma, we carry guns. There's no telling how many guns are in this room right now. Because we read the Bible. And we found that at the most intensely powerful prayer meeting, the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus was, Peter was armed. That's right. I'm just telling you, he was. There was no leave your guns and swords with Jesus. Paul's doctrine, the third thing I want you to hear is that Paul's doctrine is supposed to be taught as the primary teaching of every church. That's why we teach it so intensely here. Paul's teaching is supposed to be taught as the primary doctrine of every church. Timothy was sent to the churches to remind them of how Paul acted. This is how you learn more intimately about Jesus. I know you love Jesus. You should love Jesus. But Jesus taught us through a man named Paul. And if we miss that revelation, we miss the real mystery of what it means to be a saved Gentile, saved by grace through faith. You'll always be trying to work to enter the kingdom rather than resting because the kingdom is in you. You're either working to try to enter the kingdom are you resting because you heard Paul's doctrine? You're resting, saved by grace, knowing the kingdom is in you. Glory to God. The kingdom is in you. You see, Jesus is Christ, right? Jesus Christ. Christ means anointed one. That means even though he is Lord Jesus, which could be translated King Jesus Christ, he is the king. But he has not yet sat upon David's throne, which he was promised. He never yet sat on David's throne. 
He was promised David's throne. He seated at the right hand of his father in heaven, but that was never considered David's. Hey, David doesn't sit on the throne of the universe. He had a throne, but it's in a city called Jerusalem on a hill called Zion. Can I have a better amen? You understand where we're coming from. One day that will happen. He will have David's throne in Israel. He will have it one day because he was promised that God said, I'll give it to you forever. He's going to have David's throne. Glory be to God. That's why the Jews and Israel are so important to God to this very day. They're still important to Him. And they should be important to you Gentiles. Because until, until you understand the, God's relationship with the Jews, you can't really understand His relationship with us. That's what it really means to be saved by grace through faith. We had no right to be here. We had no right to be here. We were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. We were aliens from this thing. And God brought us in by grace through faith. Do you all hear that? Or is it just me? Is that the children? Oh, okay. I guess they're having fun, man, alive. Let's take our Bibles and turn to Galatians chapter 2. I want to walk you through this wonderful passage of Scripture. Galatians chapter 2. We'll begin reading with verse 1. Galatians 2, verse 1. One thing that the Apostle Paul teaches is pretty potent here in this passage. Then 14 years after I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas and took Titus with me also. Now you understand that this is already after he has received the download from heaven, from the Lord Jesus. That three-year hiatus that he took in Arabia, in the, in, the, in the desert. Now, not Arabia in the south. Arabia once, that whole desert one time, it wrapped up all the way around, way up near where Iraq was. And he was in Syria and just went a little, ba little ways east over there. He was in Damascus, actually, Syria. And went a little ways east over there into the Arabian wilderness, it was called back then. It's a different place than, than you think of Arabia. And he was there for three years receiving this download, receiving this revelation. And then 14 years after that, he went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas and took Titus also with him. And he said in, in, in verse 2, And as I went up by revelation and communicated unto them that gospel which I preach among the Gentiles. That gospel which I preach among the Gentiles. It's a shocking thought, but that gospel he preached among the Gentiles apparently was different from the one the, the twelve had been preaching to the Jews. Or that wouldn't make any sense. But privately to them which were of reputation, went in privately, lest by any means I should run or had run in vain. You see, he knows what he's preaching to the Gentiles is different from what they're preaching to the Jews. He knows it. And that's why he's having this private meeting with them. He's saying, now listen, you need to hear what I'm saying. This is a download I got from the Lord. You judge it to see if it's right. Let's keep on down to verse 6. But of those who seem to be somewhat, whatsoever they were, it makes no matter to me. God accepts no man's person. Who's he talking about? These, these few that seem to be something, but it makes no matter to me. He's talking about those 12 apostles. He's especially talking about Peter, James, and John. Now you, you would never talk like that about Peter, James, and John. Yeah, there were some guys that followed Jesus. I don't, I don't know their names. I, I, I can't. Uh, uh, they, they were big shots of some kind. You would never talk, talk about them like that. Why? Because you've been programmed to read the Gospels. You should read the Gospels, but not above 
Paul's revelation. Do you understand what I'm saying? Paul, uh, the reason we know he didn't read their works is because he hardly even knew who these guys were. If he had read the Gospels, he'd say, oh yeah, Peter, Peter walked on water. Oh yeah, James, the first, oh yeah, John, oh yeah, he, laid on, he, he would know all about them. But he doesn't know anything about them. Are you hearing me? He doesn't know anything about them. He says, yeah, they were, they were some sort of, you know, something. That for they who seemed to be somewhat in conference added nothing to me. Are you hearing what he's saying? He didn't say they didn't put on any weight with him. They added nothing to him. He's not saying that they didn't give me any gold. He's saying they did not alter my message at all. They did not alter his message at all. They added nothing to me. But when, when, why would he think they would? Because he knew what he was saying was different from what they were saying. But contrarywise, when they saw that the gospel of the, circum, um, the uncircumcision was committed unto me, as the gospel of the circumcision was unto Peter, there we have it. It's clear. It's just so clear in Scripture. For he that wrought effectually in Peter to the apostleship of the circumcision, the same was mighty in me toward the Gentiles. It's amazing how the church world has just acted like this doesn't exist. Acted like this is not in the Bible. And the reason they act like it's not in the Bible, because they don't follow Paul's doctrine. They follow everything but this. But if you will think about it, every place where you found contradictions in the Scriptures, every single place is answered by this. I don't believe there are contradictions in the Bible. I know they are. I know there are contradictions. I can list you ten of them at least. Contradictions in the New Testament. Like Jesus said, never call anybody Father. Didn't Jesus say, don't ever call anybody Father? Don't call anybody Father. But Paul said, hey, I'm your Father. Yeah. Help me. Yeah. You've, had lots of, you've had lots of instructions, but I'm your Father. One Father. That's me. Jesus said, don't call any man Father. Jesus said, if, you, if you're going to be forgiven, you must forgive. If you will not forgive, you can't be forgiven. Paul said in Ephesians 4.32, be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. So I got forgiveness, so now I'm giving forgiveness. Jesus said I had to give it first. Paul said I give it after. Don't tell me that's not a contradiction. Uh, you want a few more? I can give you a bunch of them. They're all over the New Testament. They're contradictions if you don't know about this. If you don't know about the difference between the message that was taught to, by Jesus to, the, to the, his, his apostles of the Lamb and the message he taught the apostle Paul. Yeah. Two different things. Two different things. You need to tell somebody there's two different things. Now it's all about Jesus. I'm not trying to say, I'm not trying to say you get into heaven some other way but, other than Jesus. But a Jew has a different thing than you have. It's somehow mixed with the law. I don't understand it all. I don't understand it all. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> I just know God cares. There's an awful lot written in the New Testament that was directly to them. Yeah. And our message was salvation by grace through faith. Yeah. That's why when you hear some preachers preach, preach about grace, they don't know how to say grace. Right. Oh, they know how to bless their food, but they don't know how to say grace. <laughs> 
They don't, they don't know how to even, even, even define grace. They say, they always tell you what grace is not. Grace is not greasy grace. Grace is not a license of sin. Grace is not grace. Well, what the heck is it then? Tell me what it is. If you know everything it's not, then tell me what it is. Because what the, what the word means is unmet. You can't even say the word grace without defining it partly as gift. Gift. And a gift cannot be bought unless you're buying it for somebody else. Because the moment you pay for it, it ceases to be a gift. I did a funeral yesterday. And I fully intended to do that funeral I fully intended to do that funeral free. I had to drive from Dallas to St. Joe, Texas, and then, then home over here uh, yesterday. The time I got done, I was tarred. <laughs> Chinese proverb, he who runs in front of car, he who runs behind car gets exhausted. <laughs> he who runs in front of car gets tired. <laughs> I was tired. And the guy walks up to me. I did a, did a funeral for a woman, and her son-in-law walks up to me and hands me money. I said, no, 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 brother. I'm, he said, no. You're not going to steal my blessing. He just changed what that money was. I wasn't taking pay for it. He just made it a gift he was sowing. I said, give me that money, man. Give me that money. Huh? I wasn't going to take the pay, but if he's sowing seed and giving a gift, I'll take that. Amen. Everybody understand? Yeah. Big difference. Yeah. Big difference. You don't pay the preacher. You sow a seed. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Well, that's what grace is. Grace cannot be defined without a gift. And the moment you can do anything for it, it ceases to be a gift. There's two kinds of religion in the world. There's just two kinds. There's Christianity, then there's all the rest. Yeah. And they're all exactly the same. Yeah. You've heard me say this before. They're all exactly the same. You think all religions are different. Why study the religions of the world? Try, 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 go to hell. Try, 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 go to hell. Just, just, they're, all in the same, they're all in the same class. Try, 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 go to hell. Ends up the same place. And, it, and, and it's different kinds of trying. It's, it's, it's try one, two, three. The others just try ABC, and the others try XYZ, and the others try, try, try. But it's all try, 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 go to hell. Try, 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 end up in hell anyway. It's all the same. It's all, they're all the same. Christianity that sounds like that is not real Christianity. When we teach people that if you do, if you live, live, live right, did you know 54% of Americans believe that if you're just good, and many of these are Christian folks, that if you're just good enough, you just do good, you'll get to go to heaven when you die. Wow. So why did Jesus die? Apparently he died for nothing. What, poor guy? Poor guy took all that for nothing. Did all that for nothing. If he can just, you can just try, try, try and end up in heaven. Everybody hear me? This is not Christianity. That's false pagan religion that is masked as Christianity. Christian doctrine is this. You're not trying to get to heaven. You going to heaven is not how God rewards you for having done well. <laughs> Christianity says, you going to heaven is how the Father rewards Jesus for what He did. Yeah. 
the great thinker C.S. Lewis in a, in a debate one time. He was late for the debate and they were talking about what makes Christianity different? What's the one thing that makes Christianity different from all others? And one of them said all this, this doctrine, that doctrine, this doctrine, that doctrine. And it beat around, well, all the pagan religions believe this. All religions believe this. C.S. Lewis walks in the room. They said, what makes Christianity different? He said, what's all the rough, uh, hubbub about? They said, we're trying to figure out what makes Christianity different. He said, oh, that's easy. Grace. Grace. That's what makes it different, grace. The fact that you get to go to heaven on somebody else's record. Yes. You've heard me talk about this. Years ago, I, uh, I, I was a big Chicago Bulls fans, fan because Texas didn't have any teams that could win, <laughs> and Oklahoma didn't even have a team. And I started watching the Bulls not because of Michael Jordan. I mean, he was, he was fun to watch, don't misunderstand me. He, he, he's kind of the reason why I stayed with them. But I started watching the, watching the Bulls because of a kid from Oklahoma by the name of Stacy King. Anybody here know who I'm talking about? Three or four people know who I'm talking about. Stacy King was our center at OU. He got drafted about 1985 or 6, somewhere in there. I don't remember exactly the date. Got drafted by the Chicago Bulls. And lo and behold, found himself on the team with the great Air Jordan. Kids from Oklahoma made the big time playing with Jordan. His rookie year, Jordan had a banner night, you know, and 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 I was I was interested in it, and but I'd missed the game, and I was flipping through the channels and saw Stacy King with Michael Jordan, uh, with a news reporter. I'm sorry, and he was sweating, and and the reporter shoved a microphone up in his face, and young woman, and. She, Stacy, tell us about the game. He said, well, I'll always remember this as the night I teamed up with Michael Jordan to score 70 points. Now, there's an unwritten rule in the NBA that if you, got, you get 70 points out of two players, you're going to win that game. That's why the Bulls were so magnificent back in the 80s, because oftentimes it was, it was 45 points from Jordan and 25 points from Pippen, or 40 and 30 or 50 and 20. I mean, it was just an amazing setup they had. And I thought, whoa, Stacy! Yay, boy, I was so excited. Proud to be from Oklahoma, you know. Look at that boy go. Teamed up with Michael Jordan, of course. I wonder how many he scored next day. Newspaper, the headlines of the sports page said, Jordan scores 69 points against the Cavaliers. <laughs> that means Stacy made a free shot. Now you know something about what it means to be saved by grace Amen. through faith. Your champion has already done all the work. You just put in your one point of, I believe it, glory to God. And it's a free shot. You don't even work at it. Hallelujah. But you know what? They won the championship that year. They all got rings. Stacy got a ring. Amazingly, looked just like Michael's. Amen. You are saved by grace through faith. Come on, let's, let's everybody give a free shot. Just so you. Swish. Glory to God. <laughs> Verse 7. We're back in Galatians chapter 2. But contrary wise, when they saw that the gospel of the uncircumcision was committed unto me as the gospel of the circumcision was unto Peter, for he that wrought effectually in Peter to the apostleship of the circumcision, the same was mighty in me toward the Gentiles. And when James, Cephas, and John, who seemed to be pillars, <laughs> Paul, you get me, man. 
James, Peter, and John, they, uh, they seem to be pillars. I, they seem to be pillars. I guess they're big shots. He knew nothing about what Jesus had said to these guys. He knew nothing about the miracles that God had wrought through their hands. They just seemed to be somebody. Perceive the grace that was given unto me. They gave me and Barnabas the right hands of fellowship that we should go into the heathen and they into the circumcision. Only they would that we should remember the poor, the same which I also was forward to do. Now we know that this was most likely that, that thing I've talked to you a lot about, that, that first council of the church in in Acts chapter 15, remember they got together to discuss how a man is made righteous and how he keeps that righteousness. Verse 11, but when, Pe when, when Peter was come to Antioch, we don't know anything in the Scriptures about Peter visiting Antioch, but apparently he did. I withstood him to the face because he was to be blamed. There was a huge colony of Jews in Antioch, so Paul, Peter probably went there, you know, as head of the Jerusalem church or one of the leaders of the Jerusalem church. Went there to figure out what was going on. When Peter was come to Antioch, I was stood him to the face, because he was to be blamed. For before that certain came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles. But when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision. And the other Jews dissembled likewise with him. The, the word dissembled is the same word Jesus used in describing the Pharisees. It's the word hypocrite. Hypocritos. Played the hypocrite. Insomuch that Barnabas also was carried away with their dissimulation. Dissimulation, another word for hypocrite. Same thing. But when I saw that they walked not uprightly, hold it, Paul, hold it! Are you accusing Paul, uh, or rather, are you accusing Peter, the other disciples, and even Barnabas, the guy that brought you in, are you accusing them of hypocrisy and not walking uprightly? Yeah, I'm afraid he is. According to the truth of the gospel. Oh, so they don't walk according to the truth of the gospel. Wow, it's quiet in here. I said unto Peter before them all, If thou being a Jew, live at the manner of Gentiles, and not as do the Jews. Why do you compel the Gentiles to live as do the Jews? We who are Jews by nature are not sinners of the Gentiles, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even we, we who keep the law, have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by faith in Christ, or by the faith of Christ, and not by the works of the law, for by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. This is pretty strong if you'll let yourself hear it. The walk of faith is the greatest walk there is. It is the walk of victory. Let's look and see what John said. Apparently, Peter, James, and John began to get this. Take your Bible now and turn to 1 John chapter 5 and verse 4, and I'm almost finished for today. 1 John 5, 4. Have you enjoyed the service so far? 1 John 5, 4. It's one of, let's read verse 3. Can we do 1 John, 1 John 5, 3? I have it here. For this is the love of God that we, that we keep His commandments and His commandments are not grievous. <clears throat> I need you to hear how the Greek actually says this. For this is the love of God so that we may keep the commandments and His commandments are not grievous. You can't possibly keep His commandments unless love is forcing you into it. If law forces you into it, you will always wind up hating God for that. 
just like the Pharisees did. But when love compels you, keeping the law is the natural outflow of it. Are you hearing me? For whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. And love, meaning the grace of God manifested in us, hallelujah, the unmerited, undeserved, un, unearned favor of God manifested in us is what causes us, fixes, us, fixes our hearts so that we may indeed keep the law of God. Yes. Wow, what a thought. Yeah. What a thought. This is the victory then. So I know you've had trouble. I know you've had circumstances. I know you've had attacks on your finances and your health and your family. I know you have. Anybody here had an attack of any kind like that that I just named this year? It's February. Come on. I may not be the right preacher, but this is the right message. I'll tell you that. We've all had attacks. We all get them. I need to remind you, your victory is not in how well you perform, but in how well you believe, what it is you believe. Because the victory, you may not be bigger than your, than your adversary, but your faith is. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. The one you put your faith in, that great, big, wonderful God, He's already made, made havoc of hell. He's already won a victory for you, the victory of the ages. Amen. Christ died for our sins. He was buried and He rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures. He did all this so that you could walk around in victory. He has said, so that we may boldly said, say, as it says over in Hebrews 13, He has said, so that we may boldly say. He said it so I can boldly say it. He said it so I can say it. He said it not, 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 not so I can perform, but so I can say it. And my performance will be a natural outflow of my confession. Yes. Confession of what you believe will change everything and how you act. You understand that when Caleb and Joshua came back that day saying the right thing, they said the right thing because they believed the right way. That's why they got to go in. That's why they beat every, every, every adversary they had. It was not about how well they could fight. It was about how strongly they believed. Everything in our lives is dictated by what we truly believe. Anybody here ever had a chair collapse on you? Let me see your hands. All you big guys, raise your hands. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've had chairs collapse on me. Because I was raised in church, and we, did, we, play, we played it in the youth group. We played that musical chairs thing, you know. You're diving into those little spindly metal chairs, you know. When the music stops, you dive into that chair, and it crack, and down it goes. I've had chairs collapse on me. But how many of you, when you walked in here today, walked up to the chair and thought, oh, I wonder if it's going to fall? Nope. Did that cross anybody's mind? No. Nobody's mind. Because your life doesn't go in the direction of what has happened to you. Your life doesn't go in the direction of your history. Yep. Your life goes in the direction of what you believe right now. That's right. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. You don't develop a doctrine of falling chairs <laughs> just because it happened to you. That's right. So don't, don't develop a doctrine just because you got sick one day that somehow God was in it. Amen. God was in your recovery. Amen. God was in your victory. Right. Can I have a better amen? amen. God, is, amen. God is in your victory. Faith is the victory that overcomes. Faith overcomes. Faith overcomes. Glory to God. Had a, a guy who worked for me one time years ago. He's on my staff out in West Texas. 
he came to me, he said, you know, my wife's mother is dying. I said, I didn't know that. He said, yeah, she, she has six months to a year to live. I said, I'm so sorry. We had plans for them to relocate to another place and start a new church. And he said, Pastor John, that's just going to be hard for us to do. I said, okay, then we'll, 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 we'll postpone the plans until we see what happens. He, I said, well, has anybody prayed for her? He said, yeah, we tried, but she won't listen. She doesn't, she doesn't want us to pray for her to live. I said, how old is she? They said, oh, she's in her early 70s. I said, well, I mean, she can go to heaven if she wants to, I guess, but... He said, would you go talk to her? He said, she won't let us, she won't let us minister to her at all. She's, she's a Christian. Went to a Spirit-filled church. But she didn't go to our church. Went to a Spirit-filled church. But, you know, they didn't teach that healing was for everybody all the time. Didn't believe in, you know, faith as we teach it here. And so uh, I said, sure, I'll go see her. So I walked in over there, and I started trying to talk to her. I said, now, now Sister Barbara. You know, uh, Jesus died to pay for your sins. She said, yeah, I'm so thankful, so happy. She's so tearful, you know, and sweet. I said, but he also died for your sickness. She said, now, Pastor John, Bob and Leslie already been over here. I told them I'm ready to go to heaven. I don't want, I don't want none of this. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not interested. Just, just not interested. I said, okay, okay, that's fine. I said, she said, by the way, heaven's a wonderful place. I said, yes, it is a wonderful place, and it's real. It's more real than this earth. I said, by the way, would you like to talk about it and hear about heaven? You're going to go there. You might as well get prepared. She said, I sure would. So I turned her to Revelation 21 and 22. You ought to read it sometime. There's a description of, of heaven in Revelation 21 and 22 that makes your skin, I mean, you get those doodads, you know, on your skin, man. This is beautiful. So I just read it out loud to her. I just sat there with her for about 30 minutes and just read Revelation 21 and 22 to her. And she wept all the way through it, dobbing her, her tears. And she said, now tell me where that is again, Pastor John. I said, it's at the end of the book. Just go, you know, open it up, turn right, go to the stop sign. It's the last two, <laughs> last two chapters. She said, okay. She said, I said, you know, why don't you just read it every day? She said, I'll just read it every day. That'll be my devotional from here on to the time I go to heaven. Okay. I left. A year went by, and I still got the guy with me. I said, what's up with your mother-in-law? He said, oh, I forgot to tell you. We need to set a date for us to go. I said, why? He said, she got well. She was dying. I went over there. He said, yeah. She'd been reading the Bible every day. You told her to read two chapters. I said, yeah. She'd been reading Revelation 21 22. And we don't know. She's got, we take, we've taken her back for several tests. They can't find the disease anymore. It's gone. I said, really? So I thought, well, what is in that? What is in that? Pull up Revelation 22, 2. Revelation 22, 2. In the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the river, was there the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits, and yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Every day she's reading about her healing. And her faith is getting attached to the word of healing, praise God. And drove, this, drove the sickness right out of her, her not wanting to get over it. Amen. <laughs> faith is the victory. Faith is the victory. What you truly believe will guide your life. Let's pray together. Father, thank you. Thank you for these, your people. Thank you for the word of God today. Thank you for this great faith that is our victory. 
faith that you gave us to believe on your son Jesus who rose from the dead. And if he rose from the dead, since he rose from the dead, that means he conquered death. And if he conquered death, he conquered everything that death brought in. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we thank you today. We thank you so much for your kindness. Thank you for these, your people. With your heads bowed, if you're here today and you, you're waiting on your right moment to receive Christ as your Savior, the greatest invitation this church or any church can offer anybody is to come to know Jesus as your personal Savior. I'm not going to call anybody forward. I'm not going to point you out. But I do want you to take, a, take an action of faith just by raising a hand and say, Preacher, that's me. I want you to pray for me. I need to, I need to be saved today. I need to know that if I were to pass away tonight, I'd be going to heaven. If you raise your hand, I want to pray with you right now. And you pray with me as we, as we pray these simple words. Because remember, Christ died for your sins. You might as well take advantage of it. He already paid the price. You might as well believe it for yourself. Amen. So that heaven will be your home. Heaven will be your eternal home. Get that, get that nailed down. Get it out of the way so that you can live for God, live in peace and joy and righteousness and the promises of God, entering into the promised land by a simple childlike faith. All right, God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. Let's pray together. Dear God in heaven, I come to you in Jesus' name. I believe in Jesus that he took away my sins. And today, I confess him as Lord. Jesus is Lord of my life. Jesus, come into my life. Take over my heart. Take over my being. I give you my life. And I'm turning from the world, turning from the flesh, turning from the devil, turning it all over to you, Lord. I receive your gift of salvation, righteousness by faith. Thank you for dying for me, Lord. And thank you for saving me today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, let's rejoice in the Lord. Praise God.